How's your mic, Kate? He prefers to be called Michael. <laughs> That's actually very funny. Is it? Yeah. All right. Oh, I'm talking to the side of it again, aren't I? Okay. Right. <laughs> Me and what Mike. With? Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 12 of the Atkins Lab cast. 12. And so we have news. What's our news? <laughs> <laughs> We've decided. Okay. Oh, I've this decided. Is She's decided. I've decided. We're not going to do video until there's like a reason. Where there's imagery or... And you're discussing directly the imagery because there's like two <laughs> people. I don't know who you are, two people out there. We hey, love you both of you. Soz. It's probably me um, watching it twice. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but it takes so much time and effort and I am such a minimal gal. <laughs> Fuck you. Re- minimal, it means slack in... <laughs> Kate's chance. And not as in the app that allows no, you to organise just, your teams. Do you know what? Look, it's Saturday, okay? I haven't done my hair. Hair looks great. I'm going to – I'm working. I've got – I may or may not – no, I don't have a brow on. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got a big daggy old jumper on and I don't want to do like, hi, here I am publicly performing because I may be rowdy and funny and all that crap but I'm actually pretty introverted and I don't love – the weekly full performance. Yes, I know. I find it stressful. Like having to pick an outfit and all that shit. So, but I like the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And the vast majority of people are listening to this. Well, I think we peaked at 1,400. Stop talking about it. Numbers. We don't actually know what those numbers no. mean. No. <laughs> like there are other numbers that said we got 50. <laughs> Yeah, but they were they related to the video, and plus the the Vimeo cost. Oh, the Vimeo four hundred dollars we peaked at. It's like six hundred, wasn't it? I don't remember. Anyway, don't know. it was just ridiculous. But anyway. the idea is we're gonna we're gonna use the video um, surgically. Ne- yeah. So when when there's someone where we go, oh my god, this one needs to be. This is a person who we're going to talk about their specific imagery and, and analyze. Specific well, there might be stuff. something specific about them. Yeah. Then we'll do that. But otherwise. I get to remain. She gets slack to get as shit slippers on my weekends where I don't do anything, and I get to. That's um, awesome. Yeah, because so, you know, and it's a lot of editing effort. So let's get to our guest. Look at you, bloody forever. You can't do the We're, same joke again and again. But it again. is. You are constantly. I know because people don't you need to just, spend three minutes okay. listening to us complain about having to do video on a Saturday. All right. Okay. Fine. <laughs> fine. Move me on to the next topic then. That's right. So our guest. Amy Herman. Yes. We've known Amy Powerhouse. for a few years, maybe five, the, the, maybe ten years, the, I don't know. The most casual, gentle powerhouse you've ever met. I know. And the bringing in of babies has always been a thing with her. She's always know, got a baby. The thing she won't talk about because it annoys her is that she ha- she is the victim of a viral video where her children, her children. <laughs> I forgot about the viral video. I can't video. believe you forgot. Oh, my God, I put this her in the children. notes. Her children. No, she, hey, she's sick of it. She's just like eye-rolling to the max on this whole bloody thing. So her I children. I forgot about it. I wanted to ask. She videoed her children after one of them had coloured in the other one with a lot of texture. <sighs> and she was like, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, I made her a zebra. A zebra. And she was like, why are you making her a zebra? And, and the little kid was like, but she loves being zebra. And it is. So but I love being a zebra. 
Zebois. Yeah, and we said, but I love being Zebois for like, I don't know, two years yeah, was one of our things time. that we just said but constantly. She, she and it went viral. Like, so a billionty, millionty people have seen this video, yeah. right? And because it was shared on Facebook, all these other viral scumbags, like, nabbed it and took it onto YouTube and, and made, made all money. this money on it. She, she could have. What's pumped about out 150,000 of those fucking books with the money she made out of her kids saying, I love being Zebois, yeah. and she missed out. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I think she made like 100 bucks out of it and others oh, made thousands. It's outrageous. So, yeah, so that's what I, I can't help because... I know. Uh, Amy's wonderful. And the book is is really, really cool and really poignant. And it's extraordinary. I mean, what I loved about the interview was that you guys talked about how hard it is to actually do something like that. And I think that's the thing that everybody misses out on. Nobody knows it's actually, like, really hard and it takes for ages and you just lose money. Yeah. And that's the thing where people don't – they don't talk about – they're like, yeah, I've released a book and it's really great. Yeah, nobody talks about the fact that – you you know nearly bankrupted yourself and and you know all this crap happened. So I think the fact that she was quite and I didn't know that stuff about what's the what was it that she did the the what's the company where she got the money through the internet Patreon yeah not Patreon sorry no. uh, GoFundMe Kickstarter 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 where yeah. they take a Start portion kicking. of it and if it doesn't the credit card go doesn't go through then you like holy. Bloody, that dance that that does not sound like fun. So that is um that was really interesting. I found I didn't know about any of that. Yeah, stuff. because well, I mean, there's always got to be a cost to those services, and there's a reason why there's so many of them. They're obviously a great way of making things happen. Yeah, but yeah. They're, they're it's a minefield. Oh well, right? apparently minefield turns yeah, out oh to be. God, I'm smacking into the microphone again. You're doing great. Um, You're doing great. Yeah. So um, I thought that was really interesting, and I think you know her book is was very timely when it came out, and it's still. Fascinating and really interesting. Although, because we have teenagers <laughs> uh, this week. This has been a tough um, week for our teenagers. This week's been an interesting week. One for of them our has teenagers. started dating. One of them started dating. This one, this this teenager that I live with is just my I'm husband. A teenager. I know. You're not. You're really more like a very old man. And uh, you I, I thought you told him it was like a six year old. You have found this to be a, a complicated week. For your emotional oh, well-being, awful. and um, but the thing about our teenagers is that they all this stuff about body image and they've got all that down pat, haven't they? There's something about the generations that have come, you know, into their conscious since this movement towards being kind to oneself and yeah. one another. That like I, mean, I hate the term. No, I don't hate the term. I actually really like the term. The term of being woke about this stuff. It is a quite a nice, simple shortening of all these ideas that means that they're actually very considerate and yeah. very understanding and embracing all these ideas. It doesn't mean they don't have issues like that they think they're ugly and all that crap that teenagers have when they're I'm like stunningly totally beautiful. No, they don't really do the fat thing. They, they're more like they're worried about their skin or they're worried about their... Like they want bigger boobs or smaller boobs. I can't remember one of the, No, it's, it's bigger boobs. And bigger bu- they no. want bigger bums. They want no, bigger bums. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's all about big bums now. No. Got to have big bums. And they sadly, they have my genes, which means there are no big bums. You know? Trunk so the trunk. Now, that's, there's no trunk, um, let alone any junk. So, yeah. So, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Well, that's eternal. Like, that side of it is eternal. But I think the, the focus on 
imagery and media and how that affects. I mean, that hasn't changed, has it? No, but I think the thing that Amy's done, which a lot of okay, use di- use different this is me. use different bodies. Wasn't That's right. It? Yeah. yeah, but I'm going to try not to be um, too bitchy. But what? <laughs> Why start now? No. Um, there's been a don't. there's been a lot of good looking white women who have talked about body image and gone on and and taken their makeup off and still look great and then being told they're brave, which really it's the same thing as people uh, lock, me in lockdown off. with gorgeous houses. Yeah, yeah, it, it just pisses me off because you look great with no makeup on. That just means you have really good bone structure and a lot of money to spend on skincare, and you can fuck right off. Um, this, this this shaming of makeup and all this cra- it just pisses me off. And 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 you're not brave if you're a perfectly, you know, well formed, good looking white woman, and you take your clothes off. Like you might be brave personally within your small group of friends, but not when you compare it to so many other Particular different kinds people of people. In Amy's book, that's right, and the and the different range of issues we can we can talk about our girls going, oh, I want bigger boobs, smaller boobs, whatever. But they're both it, perfect. That's right, and from a from a societal expectation point of view, they're both traditionally beautiful girls. And that's not me talking as a mother. It's yeah. like what society Reality. what society expects, and that's what I think is interesting about her book is that she's doing something entirely different, where it's not about just taking photos of a bunch of rich white, somewhat pretty ladies in their knickers. It's an an, an entirely different discussion, which I think is really important and often gets missed because the media would rather just talk about, you know, some pretty girl, um, <laughs> like when actors and actresses go. Make a breathe, you know, like I know. Oh, give me strength. Yeah, yeah as I said, it's the same as like I'm suffering in lockdown in my Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Here I am in lockdown. I'm jumping on my helicopter to fly around yeah. my own house. Like Well, those people who've moved onto the yachts and they get us yeah, hovering yeah. off the coast of yeah. wherever they want. Oh my god. Anyhow, let's send everybody to the listening room to hear the fabulous Amy. The listening room. Well, I know. That's we where we're gonna go now because we won't have the visual room and I know. We can call them oh I wanna call them viewers. You want to call them viewers? Why do, do you want to call them viewers? Paul Hogan. Paul Hogan. Who's Paul, Paul Hogan? Remember? Oh, Hogan. Paul Hogan. He's the guy. What did he G'day do? Viewers. Oh, is that it? Yes, that's what I want to do. But we can't you now. You can't. You have to get your own shtick. Listeners. Listeners. Yeah. Anyway, head off to the listening room and enjoy Amy for this is our episode twelve, which is pretty cool, and we've got some pretty cool guests coming up. So oh enjoy this. Oh my god, this. do we ever? And we will hear you after. Listen you will hear you. us. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha one of these people who has done what she said she wanted to do, which is <laughs> which gives gives her all the points in the world because it's the hardest thing in the world to come up with an idea and to feel like your life is is being influenced by something and being changed by something and actually to to go, okay, I'm going to do something with this idea and this change. I'm going to engage with it. I'm going to make it as big as I possibly can. And I don't think you can get much bigger than this wonderful book, which is like four times the size of my head. It's fabulous. <laughs> it, it really is amazing. Um, so, uh, Amy, why? how do you start with this sort of thing? Are you all right? How are you doing? How about that? We should start that I'm way. very good. I'm very good. That was such a lovely introduction too. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I haven't heard it sort of put that way, that idea of, um, 
really going, I've got this idea and seeing it through. And I think that has actually been, you know, it was a real labor of love, this project. And I, I love that you said that as well, that I, you know, saw it through because it was, it was not easy. Um, and, you know, it took a lot of um, emotional labor, a lot of um, money, obviously. Um, and it, it did happen over a long time. So five years, it, it took me to, from that initial idea to seeing the book printed and doing the launch and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So five, five years, like speaking to Steph Fuller a couple of episodes ago, for her, and look, she went through UniSA uh, and you were a UniSA grad. Um, and she's like, yeah, five years, blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I would think, I would be surprised if you could do something of this um, this quality and magnitude within five years. I think, you know, you, you really, to see it to the end too, that's the thing. And you mentioned that, that that's, a, that's a real compliment. It's a genuine People don't do things. They say they're going to do things. They try. There's no harm in trying. I think it's wonderful and starting, but they don't see it packaged like this. And I, I don't know where that energy came from. And talk to me. I mean, it's an, it's an important thing, right? Yeah. I and I, I think yeah. Touching on where did the energy come from? Um, I, ha I have to be honest. There were multiple times where I went, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. This is is too hard, it's too exhausting. Um, but I had, you know, when I had got to the point where I'd photographed lots of these people, um, I felt I owed it to them to see this through. And that's one of the things that really kept me going was, you know, I've said to these people, you're going to be in a book, your story is going to be heard, you're going to be seen. And, um, you know, that's sort of what kept me going. Also, I do have to give a mention to my husband. Um, <laughs> he, you know, he was supportive from the get-go and he often says to people, and I don't know whether to take this as a compliment or or how to take it, but he says uh, one of the scariest words that are said in this household is, hey, I've got this idea. <laughs> <laughs> And I think my ideas are really exciting. And, and he does too, obviously, because he supports them. And um, I think he knows better than I do that I, um, I don't sort of come up with small ideas. <laughs> so um, before I knew this was going to be a big thing, I think he did. And that's why he – and he, he knew it was important to me as well. And so any time I sort of went, you know, this – I, I just, I can't do this anymore. He would say, you know, take a break. Let's step away from it for a little bit and then we'll come back to it. And that's what I did. Um, so I did have times where I would, you know, be in contact with the people that have been involved in the book and say, look, I'm just going to take some time to um, sort of readjust and get things right and then I can get back into it. Because I think that was one of the hard but most rewarding things was photographing these people and you know I had to bring a certain energy to those shoots as well it wasn't just a matter of plonking people in front of the camera and taking a portrait of them these uh, for the majority of these people they you know weren't comfortable um having their photograph taken let alone uh partially nude or completely nude so you know, there was that vulnerability and I, it was my job to 
make them feel at ease and, you know, not only just get them comfortable, but to really get them um, showing what they wanted to show. You know, I'd have a quick chat with each people before I photographed them and say, you know, what do you want to tell people? Because that's what we're going to try and capture. You know, and some people would say, I want, you know, I really want to um, be sexy. I want to be confident. I want that to come across. Other people would say, you know, I, I would like a more serious sort of photograph because what I want to talk about is a little more serious. And, you know, that was my job then to to really capture them in the way that they wanted to be to be seen. And that's quite you know, the heavy lifting project. Like, like absolutely. just think about like, you know, the thing that I just that catches me is use different bodies. The the thing you wrote, and you can explain that in a sec, but I was just going to say it's hard enough getting professionals in front of a camera and lighting them, professional models in front of a camera and lighting them to do whatever's happening, selling a product, selling themselves, whatever yep. it might be. It's, it's selling an idea. Um, you, then you put people in there who are not professional and uh, not particularly confident physically in themselves generally, I, I'd expect, and then making something that's really important out of it, like – you, you you must have lost years of 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 happiness in this worry trying to get it right and you know yeah absolutely i think yeah it took um and because the project came from a really personal place as well so it really did sometimes take a toll on my mental health um and so you know that was why i did step away sometimes and and just take a break um yeah, yeah, like I said, it was it was always from a personal place. And I don't think I actually realised that when I first began the project. And it wasn't until I sort of had uh, discussions with my therapist and she was like, you know, this is kind of like your healing project. And she's like, and she sort of explained it to me and I thought, oh, I'd never really thought about it like that. I think I started the project quite naively. And um, uh, as you said, yeah, use different bodies. That was sort of where it came, came from was this little... Um, sketch in my journal from back in art school and it had yeah an image of uh, a woman I think it was from a bonds advertisement or something like that um, and in underwear modeling that and I thought oh it'd be great to do a series that was similar to sort of uh, uh, advertising campaign modeling uh, lingerie or underwear but using different bodies and that was that very simple idea what I thought was very simple at the time and then later realized this is a lot more complex than what I had first realized and having those discussions going back to my therapist having those discussions we sort of I guess teased out this idea or this reality that this is kind of me addressing a lot of my own issues um through these other people which seems a hundred of them now but yeah a hundred other people (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So it it did get heavy sometimes, and certainly, even you know after the um days where we would shoot these people, I was just so exhausted by the end of the day. But it was so, it was I think a real mix of emotions, and from everyone that was photographed too. You know, we were sort of all on this huge high about what had happened, and. Um, but completely exhausted. So often we'd start off and say, you know, let's all catch up after the shoot. But by the end of the day, we were just sort of, we're just going to go home and, <laughs> um, you know, sort of debrief about what happened. And um, yeah, I, I actually, I, I do want to talk about, 
because I sort of said about me giving energy to the people that I was photographing, but it was a real group energy as well. After I photographed uh, four of my mates, which was where it started. So it started with um, four four people in the studio at one time or? Yeah, at, at one time. So I, I sort of thought, how am I going to do this? Am I going to sort of photograph them individually because it's sort of quite a private sort of um, photograph that I was taking and then when I got them together they all said oh no I'm happy to you know have people have the others watch me that's fine um so there wasn't a I hadn't set up a structure to the shoots for that first one I just we just went in there we were just really just mucking around in the studio um taking some photos and seeing what happens um were you renting a studio was that at home uh, no, we hired a studio for the okay. day because um, I really wanted to give them this feel for what it might be like to be in a studio and yep. have their hair and makeup done, that whole, um, you know, process that um, a model might go through. Um, and I thought it'd be great to give people that experience, you know, the whole package sort of thing. And, yeah, they were quite happy to be photographed in front of each other and it created this really, really unexpected but very beautiful vibe really supportive environment. Um, you know, we played music and and that sort of thing. And they were just, you know, they came into the studio like, oh, you know, I don't know about this, Amy. And um, by the end of it, you know, they were ripping off their bras and dancing and, you know, it was it was really beautiful. And it was a, such a nice thing to experience as a group of people as well, um, not just sort of one-on-one. -on -one. And I think it would have been a very, very different project, a very different feel if I had photographed these people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so from then on, when I after I decided, yes, I'm going to make this into a project, my, my initial idea was to photograph just 10, 10 people. <laughs> and then I really quickly realised... <laughs> that would have been easier. <laughs> yeah, it would have been easier, absolutely. But I wouldn't have been able to tell the message that I wanted to tell in just 10, 10 photographs. 10's 10 a prototype. 10's a tester. You know, 10's yeah. an art school project, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. So I sort of, oh, I don't know, I just went, 100 sounds good. And I, you know, I just went into this not really knowing what I was getting myself into. Um, but, yeah, from, from that point on, I thought I it would be great to photograph people as a group, um, individually, sorry, still, but have them all in the studio together. And I did speak to people and said, you know, this is how I'd like to run it. If you're not comfortable, we're happy to, you know, move people to a different area and still photograph you one-on-one. -on -one. But everyone opted for, you know, to be in the group and they just went, yep, I'm just going to dive into this. And, wow. you know, and I think that gave them a really, really powerful experience too because it wasn't just that, you know, being photographed by me. It was this whole experience of being vulnerable, vulnerable in a, a much bigger group setting as well, which, you know, my hat's off to them. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. At the very end of the project, so I'd been putting all these people through this and um, everyone kept saying to me, are you going to be in the book? And I thought, no, I don't want to sort of take the place of someone else. Um, but then we went, this is my book, I can make it as many pages as I want. So <laughs> um, that's why it ended up being more than 100 people as well because I couldn't say no to some people um so yeah i was photographed in la um when we went over there so yeah. so tell me um you did it was mostly done in, in australia or was it mostly done half and half overseas no, mostly in australia so yes. we photographed um there were quite a few shoots done in adelaide just for the logistics being local yep. um 
and you know finances and that sort of thing it was much easier to do here um, but we did a couple over in Melbourne as well one up in Townsville also um, and we had people fly in from um, various places as well so um, if we did one in Melbourne some people would fly in from Sydney and, and that sort of thing so we were able to sort of cover quite a bit of Australia which was really nice um, but then we went when I, when I first set up the project, I set up a website yep. where people could actually register to be involved in the project. After speaking to a few of my friends and saying, this is what I want to do, um, lots of people, even just when we posted those first few images on Facebook, people sort of went, oh, I'd love to, you know, I'd love you to photograph me like that, um, which was really, really surprising. I think lots of people love the idea of sort of, I guess, challenging themselves a little bit and you know, stepping outside their comfort zone. So I went, okay, yep, let's make this an actual thing. And so I set up the website, um, had a page where people could register and it just asked them to tell me a little bit about themselves, their rough age, um, where they're located. And um, we just, people just started registering quite quickly. I remember when it got up to about 35 people, which isn't very much, but I remember thinking, oh gosh, like this could be a really big thing. And um, to date we've had over 1,200 people register. <laughs> so it sort of just kept going up and up and up. And I went, you know, not only did that tell me that people were interested, but it told me that this project was something that was really needed gotcha. as well. Yeah, that's the big thing. Um, and a lot of the you know, where it asks people to explain or tell me a bit about themselves. Um, some of, you know, some of those stories were just incredible. And I wish I could have photographed everyone. Um, but I, I don't know that my husband could stand by <laughs> that. 100 was a limit. Um, but So the project's actually stopped. You're not, you're not still yeah, going. Sorry, right. it has stopped, yes. I mean, yeah, the book was the full yeah. stop at the end, I think, yeah. Um, I mean, it's one of those things that could go on forever, really. Yeah. Um, which is why I do like it when I see people doing similar projects. I've had a few people come to me and go, oh, Amy, you know, such and such as this photographer's got a project that's the same as yours, like they're copying. And I think, no, no, no. Wow. What's happening is that yeah. we're all seeing the same issue and a lot of creatives are coming up with a similar solution, yeah. um, which I think is great. I can't photograph everyone. So, yeah. you know, the more projects like this, the better. Um, you know, more people getting that experience and having their stories heard, um, having themselves seen. And, you know, I think it's great. Um, I've gone on a bit of a tangent there now. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's spot on because the, the idea of it finishing and then perhaps other people picking up the baton because it's a mm. reasonable way to, to look at it uh, because we know that stuff is just so brutal to change. And it's interesting, while the, over the time that you've done this book, we have had some moves in modelling to, to yeah. have the acceptability of you know, plus size models when um, and uh, you know models with uh, uh, you know not completely abled models and I'm not quite sure what the correct term is but you know you've seen it and I, we're watching uh, Project Runway and um, uh, what's the other one that's um, done in the recently that Heidi and uh, has broken away and done her own show and they've used uh, a, a mixture of models and it's absolutely fabulous so you know you're really a part of all of that that's you're a brick in that wall yeah you know? and I think it's nice to see 
think I still think there's a long way to go, but definitely, you know, even just in that five years that I've been working on this project, I've seen, you know, more and more representation um, happening, which, you know, is great. And we just need more of it. We really do. I think that's the thing, you know, that, that was kind of the whole premise of this project too. When you don't see yourself represented anywhere, it's just, it's really disheartening. It's a real kick in the face, I think. So, and when you do see it, it's so exciting, you know, to look up at a, you know, a poster or look in a magazine or on social media, um, you know, wherever, and to go, oh my gosh, I look like, I look like that. Or, um, you know, this person has a similar story to mine as well. And, and that was, that was one of the things as well. Initially, I was just going to have a book with the images um, and no story alongside it. But, you know, the stories are just yeah. incredible. So they are. They are. And they, you wish the book, you, you know, for those of us who don't naturally sit down and pick up a book and read, 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 you wish you could open the page and these people would talk to you. Uh, yeah. And look, you, you know, there's ways of doing that and that's not the idea of it. I found myself flicking and looking and saying and asking their story and there it is. It's there in their yeah. own words. It's it's the most powerful part of the book, I think. Yeah, and I think that their own words as well because lots of people asked, you know, did you interview these people or, you know, that sort of thing. And it was really important that things were written by the people that I photographed. Um, and because, you know, especially some people, their voice really comes across in the way they write. And I think, you know, when you pair that with their image, you really get an idea of this person speaking to you or about their story. And that's a really beautiful thing. It would have had a very different feel if I were to interview them and write it out myself or write, you know, a piece about this person that I photographed. So having them speak for themselves was really important to me. Um, and the same went with their image. So every image that's in the book, the person chose their image. So we would sit down at the computer together and go through all the images that we shot and they would choose which one they wanted in okay. the book, um, which was hard for me sometimes because I'd have my favourite. let go. <laughs> you know, as a photographer, you're sort of going, you don't like this one? <laughs> I tried not to sort of, you know, push people one way or another, but... Yeah, it was important that they chose their image because that was how they wanted to be seen. And same with the words. That's how they wanted to be heard, what they wanted to say. Um, and, you know, that that was a hard process for people, whether it was because, you know, writing is not a strong point um, or just retelling their story was traumatic, um, yeah. quite difficult as well. So, um, you know, that process took quite a long time. Um, but I wanted to give them that space to be able to to do that um and you know we helped a little bit uh putting together pieces if if writing wasn't their strong point and that was fine but it was still important that it was from from them yeah it was yeah. Their, their story no yeah. it's, it come it comes shining through with that uh tell me uh, on the on the nuts and bolts side of things you did a you did a bit of traveling as part of how long were you in the u.s for 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 them so we, were, we were just there for three weeks um that's long enough really yeah, so those in when we were doing the shoots in Australia, I'd photograph about eight people um, on a day, and that was sort of a good amount. You know, it gave me enough time to sort of chat to people. Um, I should also mention my mum came to a lot of the shoots with me. I did me. see that in the book. She's yes. she's mentioned. Yes. You know, 
That's yeah. a spare bit, so, isn't it? Yeah, she was my right-hand lady and um, she really helped people feel at ease as well. So when I was shooting, she was able to sit and chat with people, which helped them sort of relax into things a bit a bit more as well, which was really nice. Um, in the States, however, it was just me and my husband and we took the three kids as well. Um, <laughs> just because you like the fun of it all. Yeah. Um, so we had the three kids there um, at the shoots as well, which was fine. So I had my baby on my back sometimes. and <laughs> um, But those shoots were very different. So um, for a couple of reasons, I really, really wanted to shoot in a nice studio just right. um, because I thought I'm never going to get this chance again. Yeah. And I thought we had so many people coming in and I wanted them to walk in and just go, wow, this is, this is a real, you know, a real big deal. And I wanted them to, you know, experience that whole model sort of shoot and feel really special. And so in New York, we had this incredible studio that overlooked um, the Hudson and <laughs> it was, you know, it was what you see on movies and stuff. I couldn't believe that I was yeah. shooting I there. remember the photos from it. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was incredible. And that's how I went, I'm not going to get, I probably won't get this opportunity again anytime soon. And neither will these other people. Uh, so I wanted to experience that with them. And then we had, you know, these makeup artists lined up all along these windows. And so um, our models came in and just went, wow, this is this is just amazing. Um and we had 20 people um, that were photographing in New York. So it was um, it was a full-on day. Uh, I didn't get to sort of do that one-on-one -on -one longer sort of chat that I would normally have, which, um, I mean, you know, it still worked out, but it would have been nice to yeah, talk yeah. to them a little bit more. A lot of them I've had correspondence with, um, online and that sort of thing so you get to know people a lot before before I even met them which was really nice but um I still you know before each shoot sat down did a really quick what do you want out of this sort of yep. thing how do you want to be photographed um some people said I don't know and so we just shot a whole bunch of stuff yep. um and they would then look at the photos and go yeah this one sort of suits what I want to what I want to talk about a bit more but um yeah so so over in the States, yeah, there was New York and then we went over to LA. Yep. Um, had an equally beautiful studio there. <laughs> um, and, yeah, 20 people again. So we just did the two days uh, yep. because of the cost of the studios. So we <laughs> um, tried to sort of cram in as many people as we could in those two days. Um, so we photographed 40 people in the States. Um, That's heroic, really, you know, <laughs> you know, jamming it all in like that. Yeah, um, yeah. It's insane. So, like, you've touched on it a couple of times, but again, back to the nuts and bolts, how did you pay for this damn thing? Like, you said financially it was a massive strain, so I'm gathering you'd paid for it. Yeah, so we did um, run a Kickstarter campaign, yep. and that was quite successful, though there were things that I learned from running a Kickstarter campaign. Share, uh, do tell. Like, we could all learn. Okay, so obviously, so we... Raised thirty thousand um, through the Kickstarter, minus Kickstarter um, percentage that they take. Then, um, which isn't a huge amount, but it's still a bit. 
Um, and then things like uh, credit cards that don't go through. So there are a few people that, you know, pledged money, but then at the end of it, because they only charge at the end of the um, right, that it's successful. period, which yeah, is yeah. 30 days. So there were quite a few lost in um, transactions that didn't go through. Um, plus you offer rewards for people. So some yes. of the rewards were things like T-shirts, um, <clears throat> some temporary tattoos and that sort of thing. And obviously the book then was a reward also. Um but T-shirts, I didn't know. I thought I had worked out how much it would cost to send things to the States, but I miscalculated that. Um, so I lost a lot of money in um, shipping costs. Yep. Uh, plus then you, I needed to print these T-shirts, which I also thought that, okay, maths is not my strong point. Um, let me just say that. So there were a lot of um, there were a lot of costs that I hadn't really worked out properly. So... Yep. From that thirty grand, it was it was not very much left by the time we had sort of done what we needed to do and sent things out. Um, but having said that, it did allow us, you know, I probably had about fifteen thousand maybe left out of that thirty grand, which obviously is a substantial amount still. Um, not enough to print the book, not enough to go to the states. Um, so we. Um, paid for that out of our own pocket. So, but I still think we probably would have done it the same with Kickstarter because I think if we had asked for any more, we might not have reached that goal and then you get nothing. Yes. So I think we still asked for the right amount and, you know, though we got less than what I was hoping for, it was still, you know, it was still a substantial amount to be able to pay for studios and that sort of thing. Certainly all of Australia was covered out of the Kickstarter campaign. Um, which was awesome. But, um, yeah, the printing of the book, which obviously was a pretty heavy hit, Um, and then, yeah, going to the States. But we sort of went, well, this is a family holiday as well, so. Yeah, totally, totally. But, look, you know, I just, I sometimes, and this possibly sounds irresponsible, it's not good advice, speak to your accountant, but sometimes (laughs) if you cost up a project beforehand that maybe is this important and you go, oh, it's not going to work, then it's lost. I think uh, that is exactly the case. And that's what some of the conversations that my husband and I have had before as well. You know, if we knew how much this was going to cost overall, and I don't know, I don't know how much it's cost because I don't want to know that number. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what we've done is important. But I think if we had worked it out, that total amount, we would have just gone, no, we can't do that. Um, but, you know, we we did it over a period of time as well. Yes. Um, it doesn't hurt as much, does it, when it's spread out? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that was one of the things that slowed me down a bit sometimes. I just went, no, the finances, I, I can't do this. And my husband was always the one supporting me saying, no, let's do it. Let's let's see this through. Um, like this is, you've worked so hard yeah. um, to, to not see it. And, you know, that first day when I went into the printers and I got to hold the book in my hands, that was just, it was amazing. And to flip through and I hadn't, you know, you don't, you see these images on your computer screen all the time, but to see them in print and to see the details as well. You and know, see in a book that, that has got like a, like a, you know, the, the number on it and it's going to sit on a shelf and, it's yeah. going to be collected and it's going to be, yeah, it's it's yeah. a real important body of work that that's just been yours. It's your idea and yeah. 
you know. And I always, you know, that fiscal irresponsibility that I mentioned, I, I look at the failure of our national broadband network and, you know, where Australia and the world right now, it's an online world. It's always going to be from now on. There's no two ways about it. And if that happens, and, you know, back in a bit of boring, you know, dad history, but if Dwight Eisenhower said, let's not build the interstate highway system in the US, even though we can't afford the damn thing, like, if they didn't say, we didn't, then America would be a failed country. I mean, don't look at Trump and think that it might be a failed country right now. But their success is because they built a network without knowing how they're going to pay for it. And your success is that you took this book, you took mm-hmm. this idea, and you go, I'm just going to keep going. Um, do, you, yeah. do, you have a fe- do you have a feeling out of self-preservation what may have happened if you didn't, if you stopped short? Oh, I think there would just would have been regrets all the time, you know, and I, I certainly would have felt like I, it wouldn't just be, you know, I, I'm not happy that I didn't do it for myself, but there would have been that I've let people down. I think yeah. that would have been the bigger part for me, especially if I had started it and halfway through gone, sorry guys, I'm out. I, I don't, that would have been very, very difficult for me personally to deal with knowing that I had let people down. But so, I don't think any one of those people would want to think you've been crashed under the weight of the book. I don't think... No, any- and, and that's a, we did have, you know, a close group on Facebook that we all spoke together and I always told them where I was at with things and, you know, everyone was always extremely supportive. You know, of course, yeah, no one was ever like, oh, come on, Amy, get on with it. <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> No, that was um, yourself inside whipping yourself, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. Um, so everyone was always supportive and, you know, um, I I had no idea how long this was going to take. So initially, I this sounds really silly when I say it. Initially, I thought, I can do this in 12 months. We're going to get the funding. I'm going to photograph some people. We're going to make it into a book. Done. Um, but then as it went on and, you know, more people registered as well, um, I kept sort of finding myself going, oh, you know, this person would be great to photograph and they were only available at this time or, you know, they were in America and um, at the beginning we jokingly sort of said, let's go to the States or let's go to Germany was actually another country that we had a lot of um, a big response from. Really? Um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then we just sort of went, let's just do it. Let's just go because... With this book is, you know, it was already getting quite big and I think there would have been some regrets there too if we didn't go to the States and photograph, you know, some of these people. Um, actually, that's the woman that really, really sealed the deal um, was Laura from Mexico and she yeah. had messaged me and said, I love... I, she said, I know I won't ever be able to be photographed because um, I'm in Mexico, um, but I just want to let you know I really love your project. And I said, oh, you know, thanks. And we sort of got talking and uh, I said to her, oh, if you could get to LA, would, you know, that be, a, you know, would that be a possibility? Maybe we could photograph you there. I hadn't even spoken with my partner at this point. I was just playing things out in my mind. <laughs> um <laughs> And she just went, yeah, I could do that. No worries. And so then I mentioned it to Howie, my partner. And I said, oh, you know, there's this really amazing woman from Mexico. And she said she would get to LA. And, you know, you've always wanted to go to the States and watch basketball games. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we sort of, like, played around with the idea. And then eventually we went, just 
let's just do it. Let's just go. And um, yeah, we'd already had so many other people um, register for the project as well. So yeah, we had Law fly in from Mexico, Belange fly in from Canada. We had a couple of people from the UK as well. Um, lots of people flew in interstate um, in the States then to either LA or New York. So yeah, we, we managed to get some really, really amazing people over there too. Yeah. I mean, there's there, there's something about the society uh, where they do they do like to celebrate, and and I, I'm not surprised that Germany was the case because they they really you know celebrate in many ways diversity mm-hmm. uh, there. Um, so so you said that you sometimes did some shooting with the kids on the back, and uh, <laughs> how, how old are your children now? So now they are three, five, and seven. Okay, so just doing those other maths, you did all of this <laughs> with that. Yes, yeah. So yeah, there were um, yeah, there was one birth in there. Oh no! So yeah, just three, of course. Long. Yes. Yeah. Far out, woman. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, <laughs> it was it was um, fun. It was fun at times and challenging. Yeah. But, it's a, uh, there's really they're really tough years uh, with toddlers and little ones. They're, they are distinctly difficult. Um, mm. Tell me when you when you were finding yourself struggling in, in those particular difficult times, you had to remove yourself from the project. Uh, was it the was it the whole thing that was too much for you, or was it the what you felt the obligation to these people in the project, or what was the yeah. I think it was a, a mixture of a lot of things. So definitely, um, you know, yeah, that obligation to, to fulfill this for the other people, but also, um, yeah, it brought up a lot of my own personal um, challenges and that sort of thing with eating disorder, a history of that. Um, so that was difficult at times, I think. Um, but it did also help to address a lot of that, which had been hiding in the dark for a really long time yep. um, and hadn't ever been addressed properly so there's you know though it was hard it um i think it was good that a lot of those things did surface um came to that sort of um boiling point and were able to be addressed then um but yeah and you know just life in general gets a bit tough sometimes and then adding something like this on top of that um yeah sort of hit breaking point a couple times there uh, but yeah, I you know I always had the support of the people, and it created this really nice little community of of um, supportive people that we could talk to in our group and or you know one on one and that sort of thing. Um, especially you know there are a lot of um, women in the book with or past um, eating disorders, so it was kind of nice to I guess connect with people like that and be able to talk. Um, with someone that that understood as well. Yeah, yeah. So you feel a little bit less alone that that stuff doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And it's been, that's been one of the really nice things as well. Like I see uh, people from the shoots um, have connected on Facebook and social media and they still talk now. And, and it has for a lot of them, it was because they had similar, similar stories and that sort of thing. So they would able to go, Oh wow. You know, you've got this similar story to mine and, and these, really beautiful friendships were formed through the project, which, you know, I don't think could have happened if I had photographed people one-on-one, for example. So having that group 
um, environment on the days where people could sit and chat with each other and really get to know each other and then form these friendships afterwards was yeah, really nice. And that network's prevailed to some extent, has it? It's still there and... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I love it when someone, I see someone post an image on social media and then one of the other people from, you know, that day that they were photographed on comments and I think, oh, that's so nice. You know, they're still supporting each other after all this time and yeah, yeah, it's really lovely. I've always wondered too, um, uh, I don't know if you were thinking about this sort of a project did you seek any professional advice because, you know, you're skating around the edge of some psychologically, you know, tricky stuff for some of these people and, uh, you know, you don't want to do the wrong thing. You're not their therapist. You know, yeah. you're providing an exposure, um, an exposure therapy of sorts for them, aren't you? You're, you're giving yeah. them an opportunity to do something they may not have felt comfortable doing. But it's a, So did you have some, some help with that? <laughs> no. Um, oh no, amateur <laughs> psychology yet. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. You can add that to your resume now. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't. Um, I I think for a lot of it, there wasn't that um, a really long, um, I guess, amount of time that I was with someone one-on-one. -on -one, so it didn't, we didn't sort of get down to nitty gritty stuff. Or a lot of that was spoken about before the days on the right. shoot. Yep. So, and it was spoken, you know, via messages and emails and whatnot. So we're sort of able to have a lot of those difficult conversations, um, not face to face. So when it came time to meeting each other, we sort of knew each other quite well um, and were able to just sort of get on with, with what we needed to. Um, not to say that that made it any easier for the people that I was photographing um, obviously, you know, stripping down <laughs> if you've got, you know, issues with your body, taking your clothes off in front of someone's going to bring all that up again. Um, but I, I like to think I did a pretty good job of making people feel okay. Um, which is interesting because I have quite bad social anxiety, but something happens when I'm holding a camera and I'm able to connect with people a little bit better. It's, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but, um, I What's your superpower? It's your, yeah, it's, it's, your superpower. I'm just, it's like my safety net sort of thing. I it's your dumbo feather. Yeah. yeah, I'm able to connect better. Whereas, you know, I think about when I go to events and that sort of thing and I'm not photographing it and I'm just there as, you know, a normal guest and I have to talk to people and I just really struggle. I really, really yeah. struggle. Um, whereas if I'm at an event that I'm photographing or, you know, I, I can talk to anyone. So, uh, yeah, don't know what it is, but. I think that's um, a super common thing. I really do. I, I think there's a lot of people and it's, it doesn't sound right, but you know, the hide behind the camera or use the camera as their, as their thing. And there's, there's nothing wrong with that, especially when you're doing great stuff with it, you know. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a superpower, right? It's a superpower. I keep looking down at the book. It's a superpower and you can use a superpower or you can bloody squander it. Uh, and heaps of people just sit around squandering. Or, and look, you, just flipping it a little bit, you're also running a business. You still are doing uh, uh, people photography, yes. uh, portrait yeah. stuff. And, and that's always been chewing along underneath all of this. Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously at times it slowed down a little bit, but yeah, always photographing weddings in the background um, and I do lots of like family shoots. I love working with kids. They're fun. 
Um, you know, I do the serious stuff with the ad adults, but, um, you know, kids are just, they're, they're just funny, you know, like and photographing them. You just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that's always going to be, be there. And, you know, at times I've sort of gone, oh, I want to have a break from that, but I always come back to it. So I, yeah, the same with photography. I think, oh, maybe I'll take a break, but you know, I'll get that new idea or yeah. Well, what oh. else would you do? Like, have you thought about Amy in another parallel universe, what she would be doing? Well, you know, I'm actually studying um, teaching at the moment. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, so that's been cooking along in the background for the last year as well, just um, studying online part-time, so to do primary school teaching. Um, but I, my photography is always going to be there. Like I said, whenever I think I'm going to give, you know, have a little break from it, I just can't. <laughs> I, yeah. I always come back to it. And it's, you know whether it's photographing families or weddings or working on, you know, a new project, whatever it is, I'm always, I always come back to the camera. So. Well, yeah. what led you to it, to UniSA? What led you to picking up the camera in the first place? So I actually went to uni um, with the intention of studying interior architecture. Wow. Um, yeah, I did one year of that and I wanted to do, I wanted to study visual arts Um but everyone told me I can't get a job from that. So I went into interior architecture because apparently I'd get a job at the end of that. Um, I did a year of it and I did a year of people telling me to think outside the box and then I did and they'd go, mm, no, a little bit further out than we were expecting, come back in a little bit. Um, so that didn't work for me at all. Uh, so I, I transferred then to visual arts and um, I loved it. And I went in thinking I was going to... Um, specialise in painting, um, and I still love painting. But yeah. then we did, you know, we did photography, and I just, I'd always done photography as well, but I didn't think that was something I was going to specialise in, and I just loved it. I, yeah, it was it was great. And I, I started off doing self-portraits um, because I couldn't find anyone that was willing to get nude for me. So... <laughs> Um, out of lack of models, I photographed myself in a lot of my work. And I think it, it was just, a, you know, I guess having that history of, you know, struggles with my own body, I, I think that's sort of where that whole wanting to photograph bodies came from as well. I was going to ask you, what's the, yeah, what's the nude thing? And how does yeah, that Yeah, you know, I don't know. I just sort of went, I, I'm allowed to do that here. That This is really, this is really fun. Um, and, you know, I hadn't sort of, had that opportunity before and it certainly hadn't been encouraged before so you know it was great having teachers like Mark Kimber as well encouraging me and um that you know that was great so I I went with it and that's kind of where I've I've stuck really like that's sort of been what I've been interested in is is just bodies and um particularly women and I guess you know I, I looked at lots of different issues and lots of different themes and that sort of thing. And um, eventually I went on to do my honours year and that one was looking, I guess, at um, sort of taboo issues um, to do with women's bodies, so things like body hair. And at the time I was I was pregnant um, with my first child. So I think my, my personal life has always influenced my work. And I remember... Um, Olga Sankey saying to me, oh, your work is going to change now that you're pregnant. And I said, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, you know, this is what I want to do for my honours. This is what I'm going to stick with. 
And she was like, all right, we'll see. And um, I took six months off to have Sov, my first baby. And then I came back to finish off my honours year. And yeah, of course, it completely changed. It was still about bodies, but um, uh, I did a lot of, um, you know, I guess looking at, at the changes that our bodies make and what women sort of face um, <clears throat> after pregnancy and that sort of thing. So there was lots of images of lactating breasts and um, stretch marks and still with the body hair because I just, I like yeah. body hair. <laughs> That's what we when we first met. That was what your that that was what your fabulously focused on was you know hair. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I was like, what's Amy doing? And I said, I think she's got a thing for body hair. I think that's what she's doing. <laughs> and Kay goes, all right, good on her. That's, that's yeah. fabulous. <laughs> you know, it's nice to see that she's representing that area of things. Yeah, yeah, and they, they, and they were really fun pieces as well. You know, yeah. I think I've got a bit of a funny sort you of. Do. Set humor and I I really loved bringing that out in that work and I keep thinking oh it'd be really great to sort of pick up a new series and and work on something new um that was I you know I think with that that series that I did in my honors year it was really fun to make but it was it was serious at the same time and I think that was one of the great things working on things like that is that I could take a serious topic but make it um, more interesting for people to view and you know they could take in those ideas in a humorous sort of way um, which was fun uh, you know which is quite opposite then to the book which is you know quite serious and yeah, um, yeah I, I guess it's still you know on that theme of bodies but yeah a much more serious sort of uh, yeah. an individual out. it's not about bodies it's about people yeah you know, yeah no you're right people. yeah yeah um, so that that like the, it's such a challenging topic, uh, and it's you, you must like writing those those lines. And I think you're in a like a privileged p position, being you know a female who's really good at it. The, how does it how does it work? I'm going to be the the numpty cis fifty year old dad here. Like <laughs> I know blokes doing this stuff. It's a it just looked on in a different way, and I do it too. You you know you go you see some fellow who's doing a lot of new photography and you mm -hmm. you know you immediately the radio goes up and go oh, yeah what's he really up to and it's just awful and I just feel terrible about it and I feel terrible that feeling it brings up in me and I feel terrible hearing it discussed amongst other people mm. and I feel you know guilty about liking the pictures and I just don't know I mean this is a question for a therapist but you're the closest thing I've got right now Amy <laughs> answer the question for me woman <laughs> look I you know uh, yeah, I, and I totally see where you're coming from. And I guess I know a lot of male photographers that do shoot nudes and stuff and do it beautifully. And But do they feel they have to hide? You know, like, do they feel like they're not as public about it as you can be? Yeah, I definitely think there are feelings of that. And I've had those discussions with mates of mine that shoot that sort of stuff. And they often say, you know, it's not fair. You get it. You know, you can just shoot whatever you want and no one's going to question you or call you sleazy or you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I think I can get away with it a little easier. You know, even just approaching people, you know, there were some people that I wanted to photograph for the book and I could just slide into their DMs and be like, hey, I'm working on this project, do you want to get nude for me sort of thing. Um, you know, that coming from uh, a male photographer would probably be perceived a lot differently. I know I would be wary. So, um, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely a difference. 
I, We've I really think... screwed it up, haven't we, us blokes? <laughs> well, that's it. You know, there's some people that, yeah, really messed it up. So. <laughs> no, and it's been um, such a long history of of it. It's just, it's eternal. And one of the things that I loved hearing you talk about was, you know, fondly speaking about your husband and your mother. And I think in, and I know it's different these days, but if you looked at any time in history back before the last 10, 15 years, there would be a, a bloke standing there taking the credit and there would be all this stuff holding him up. Um, mm-hmm. And I know for a fact how my family have been propped up by the women in it entirely through the whole process. And, you know, we all have our different roles and that kind of stuff. But it's just wonderful to see. And it's and it's like a glimmer of hope that this is one of those things that is actually changing, um, that we can be yeah. a little bit more understanding of that. Um, yeah. So if I was, if I was, and I'm not, I'm asking for a friend now. If I was a bloke that wanted to approach someone about a nude portfolio, I, silly question. But how do you, how do you do it right? Like, I don't sorry, know. but I how do you do it? Like, if I really like and I'm really good at it, like I know a bunch of people are, I got no idea how you do it. Like, without feeling like a, a sleaze, or do I need a, a? Would I have to have a website with a strong portfolio with recommendations from other people, or what's the? What's the, yeah, you know, the I think probably the best thing really is, and, you know, this is easier said than done, but word of mouth. You know, if I had a mate that said, I modelled for this guy and he was great, made me feel comfortable, then I would be going, yeah, sure, I'll, yeah, I'll give it a go. Um, like I said, easier said than done then to yeah, have yeah. recommendations from, from people. Um, I mean, I certainly feel like, you know, having, having that um, portfolio and that sort of thing is good, but... For me, it would still be recommendations from other people that have have yeah. photographed with that person and had a good experience. Um, you know, because unfortunately, there are some really, you know, some real duds oh. out there. percent. Oh, um, and you know, the same goes. We, especially for um, women that do do nude modelling, they all talk and yeah. they all support each other. Yeah. Um, and the same goes for people that they love to photograph with they'll say, stay away from this person because they're no good. Um, so, yeah, sort of, I, I really feel like it's recommendations. From, yeah. It's so yeah. twisted up, isn't it? It's just so awful. Um, uh, and, you know, years of, of the advertising industry and, and you know, sort of mixed up with, you know, with aspects of the, the porn industry and all that kind of stuff have just messed with the whole thing so much. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's actually interesting because I think it's before that as well. You know, even when you look at art, you know, back through the centuries, 100%. it all started there too, didn't it? You know, like um, the way people, the way women were represented and um, and that sort yeah. of thing. I don't know if you've seen um, Hannah Gadsby's new show, Douglas. You know, she's she's so eloquent Incredible. about the way she talks about art, and you know, just her the way she describes some of those paintings and stuff. You know, she says it in a jovial sort of way, but it's you know, she's bang on. Like the way yeah. that people, you know, women were represented and and that yeah. sort of thing. So yeah. Well, one of the joys this year is I've done a, a art history for photographers with Gavin Blake at the Centre for Creative Photography and. Gavin did a great job of laying all that out. And I was like, you know, like <laughs> just agog and go, yeah, of course, you know, it yeah. all makes sense. They're all, you know, they were, they're got the guys getting a bit older, hoping that, you know, that they could still be relevant to younger women. And, you know, just like far out, really? Yeah. You know, we're still cutting the cord in this cycle. We haven't worked it out yet. 
Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I think it's really interesting when you look at, yeah, those paintings um, and you compare it to today, you're like, that's a, that's a long time for things not to change that much, <laughs> yes. you know? A hundred percent. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, and that's actually, I probably didn't connect, didn't connect that dot uh, now thinking about it. But yeah, I mean, it's my feeling was, oh, yeah, it's just, nothing's different. But then you go, oh, hang on, this is a, a hell of a lot of time that things should be, should be different. Should be um, quite different, yeah. You know, obviously there's been things along the way that's, you know, progressed and stuff. But yeah, when you actually look at the amount of time that's passed yeah. and um, things that, you know, women are, are still facing, you sort of go, mm, I feel like maybe <laughs> should be a little bit better by now. Bloody well, that's oh, incredible. I'm just just horrified. Um, tell me, what are you doing next? What's your? Because we're getting close to around an hour, and I'd like to give okay. you back your day because I've been blessed with your company. Thank you. But tell me, what's next? Um, yeah, well, like I mentioned, I'm studying teaching, so that's sort of my next venture. Yep. But that'll that'll take a few more years before I'm before I'm there. Um, and yeah, just still working on photography. Uh, from you know the for my business. Um. That's always that'll probably always be there, I think. Yeah. And yeah, I don't I don't have and you I haven't sort of planted that, hey, I've got an idea yet. <laughs> um <laughs> but I'm sure something's gonna pop up. It always does. So um yeah, I mean as far as the book goes, I think I've got about seventy copies left out of Oh the wow. Book. So so people can still so, get it people yeah, can still get a yeah. copy. There's, there's a few left still. Yay. Um yeah, which is which is nice. I I remember reading once um, about, you know, I, I read up a lot about self-publishing a book and I read one article that said self-publishers um, rarely sell over 100 copies. So I thought, oh, shit, I've, I've ordered 400. <laughs> um, and I'm picturing, you know, all these books in my house, you know, stockpiled for the next 10 years or whatever. But, um, yeah, we, we ordered 40 and we've got about 70 left. So I'm pretty stoked with that. Um, I didn't. I didn't know what to expect, really. That's that's um, incredible. That really, like, I, I, there's a running joke in the photographic industry. I don't know if you heard it, but you can tell the photographer in the street. It's a guy with a, or the girl with a car parked on the street because they're, you know, this is the landscape photographer because their shed is yeah. full of the books they couldn't sell. You know, <laughs> yeah. Gar- you know, like it's just what it is. That's, it's that's just what it's, I was picturing, and I thought, oh gosh, but um, yeah, no, I'm pretty happy with with um. What I've sold. So I'd love to get some into some libraries. I think that would be great because, you know, obviously it's a a very big book, which makes it quite expensive. Um, So it would be great to make it a bit more accessible to people. So we'll we'll see. That's another, I don't really, everything was a learning learning experience with this. So I'm not really sure how to get books into libraries, but. um, Well, what you do is you call the State Library up and just call the State Library of South Australia and just speak to acquisitions and say, hey, I just want to let you know I'm a South Australian. I've made this book. This is what it's about. Um, this is how many copies I've sold. What do I do? And they will give you the advice. That's their, their job is to okay. is is to help you out. Yeah, fantastic. All right, that's where I'll start because I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like making a book, I really had no idea about yeah. that either. But, but you did it. We, and now yeah, you know. that's it. That's it. Yeah. And now you know. Um, so I can see your project. You're going to be working on teaching. You clearly like working with kids is is fabulous because I, I was just listening to you and trying to work out maybe the things you suffer with adults and I'm familiar with the idea that adults put this metaphorical suit on, the skin on, that makes them something that they're not and the kid is the raw thing 
It's yeah, the real yeah. deal. It's the it's the un the un you know tainted soul, yeah. and that's what you've got in your book. And and so I think it's a good thing. And I think you know once you and I said to Dave Sievers, you need to let your kids grow up a bit, and then you can go and do some cool stuff after that because you're going to have all this time and you're going to oh my god. <laughs> What am I doing? And I then know, I, I said that, yeah, my youngest is starting kindy next year and I think, oh, my God, what am, what am I going to do? <laughs> uh, so, you know, perhaps, yeah, I'll start working on – this will terrify my husband when he hears it, but maybe I'll start working on a new series next year. <laughs> you can get that superhero suit back out of the cupboard and get the camera yeah. and do something. Yeah, well, I don't – not. I wouldn't be, you know, surprised at anything that, that you do and that's the, the joy of watching your work. So – We'll put some links in the show notes to some things. So I might get you actually to send me a, an email if there's anything you want people to see and find, including how to buy the book. Because yep. uh, it'd be really cool if that, a few copies got sold through that way. Um, and because it's a, it's a real piece of, um, of value there. But look, thank you, Amy, for your hour this morning. It's been an absolute joy. But I love being zebra. I have to say, you would look pretty cute as a zebra. <laughs> These are striped horses. Are they? I don't know. Are they white with black stripes or black? Do you know who stripes? would know? Hillary. Hillary Han. Correct. She is definitely going to be one of our wonderful. Oh, yes. And then when the world opens up and we win the lottery, we're going on safari. Yeah, I'd love that so much. Oh, be fabo. Safari. Maybe a bit longer than when the world opens up because we actually need to save up money to go and survive. Win the lottery. Did you not hear that oh, key win the element? Lottery, yes, right, of course, okay, of thank course. you. Because we'd have to do it really, really well. Oh, I'm hell not, yes. I'm not going to go on safari <laughs> and deal with like you want British bugs. Raj, British Raj That's campaign right. chairs. I want like four guys just standing on opposite you. four corners of me. No, no, no. Fanning me with cans of bug spray. <laughs> do, you want, do you want that one where they're... Giraffe leans in the window. Yeah, yeah. I'll take one breakfast. of those. I'll take one of them. Yeah. We'll, we'll do one of them. And I just want, yeah, bug protection to the max. Yes. So that was cool listening to Amy. It was wonderful hearing a story again. Uh, it's uh, it's a pretty interesting uh, tale of yeah. be careful what you wish for, isn't it? <laughs> it so is. <laughs> yeah, like the, the idea of a um, of an idea and a task that you finally, oh, let's shoot 100 people. Yeah, great, no problem. Then it turns into a project that is so astoundingly deep and interesting, but oh, you can't man. give up Talk on it. because about long-suffering husbands as oh, well. Oh, no, how wonderful that, that family is. It's how supportive. And how brave is she to take it on with the little ones. And, and then and have a baby in the middle of it. I know. That's cuckoo. She's a legend. She's That's a legend. She's mad. Any rate. Now, what are you going to do colour. now? Well, because you now, know what? Cause yeah, our, little, what's, our what's beautiful the, Cassie St. Clair yeah. has partly retired because, because we did get to the last colour last week, even though I didn't look ahead and find out there was nothing after black, which of course it makes sense. We go from white to black, mm. as the spectrum does. Mm. So we're going to our plan B for moments of colour because there are so many moments of colour out okay, there. Okay, I'm getting my seat. Uh-oh, she's getting her seat. See, when this is not video, it won't matter that I'm sitting down. No one will care. No, they won't. As now, long as you don't yawn because we can hear you yawning. You cannot. <laughs> I always go over here when I yawn. No one can hear me yawn. I can hear you yawn. You just hear me emotionally. So, you know, when when I give uh, talks about, because I talk about... 
<laughs> Did you just say when I give talks? Yeah, and I talk about <laughs> colour and colour management. Tell us about it, Oprah. Theory. Tell us. Tell us about well, your Don't talk. give me Oprah stuff. <laughs> when I give talks about colour, I talk about the human vision system and how we can perceive light, mm-hmm. right? And how our, as a homo sapiens, because <laughs> I'm fancy. So I'm actually have no training in this. Please forgive me. I'm a total amateur, but I love it. <laughs> You are not a total me. amateur. You're literally paid for this. Not to talk about it. No, but to know color. about it. To know about it. Okay. So we have rods and cones in our eyes, right? So if you did a <laughs> cross section of the now back of our Now, hang on. Eye. I went to a stupid Christian school and we had the passage in the Bible. This one's for you, DJ. The passage in the Bible <laughs> where there was a log in an eye. Aren't there logs? No, there's not logs Doesn't in Doesn't God eyes. know about everything that's in all of our eyeballs? Oh, he's giving me a look. <laughs> Withering doesn't even cover it. <laughs> so, at the back of the eyeball, there's things logs called and rods eyes. and there's things called cones, okay. right? Oh, no logs. The rods are like long, thing, wormy things. Uh-huh. And the cones look like butt plugs. Because <laughs> <laughs> right? we all know that shape now because it's been in popular media. <laughs> I did not know you okay. said that. They do. They're like a, they're like a, a oh, I suppose, like a coney thing, right? <laughs> And they're, sus- they're, they're sensitive. So you, these cones are going to be back of your eye. They sit <laughs> you the back should of your not eye. be using that word just after talking about butterflies. They have – shut up, woman. So they are sensitive to different spectrums mm-hmm. of the electromagnetic spectrum of light, like right? mm-hmm. radiated light. Yeah. Okay? Some are sensitive to red. Some are sensitive to green. Some are sensitive to blue. Okay? Red are very long wavelengths. Right, long waves, mm-hmm. big distance between the troughs and the peaks. Okay, okay yeah, yeah. Short wavelengths, the blue light was like up and down, up and up and up and up and ultraviolet. Mm. Right, that's that end of the spectrum. I knew there was another reason I liked blue. And green is in the middle, like those middle. No, it's just so green, my darling. No, it's lovely, isn't it? Um, like my new phone, by the way. It's <gasps> green. Your new phone is so sexy. Yes. Anyway, oh so, what are you gonna do with your old phone? No, shut up. So, we're sensitive to that, and that, and that is how we perceive color. The Rods are about movement and, like, here comes a threat. Whoa. Catching things out the corner of your eye. They're not really oh, about colour. Okay. And as the lights go darker. So the butt plugs care about colour. Yes. The do. other bits don't. And they need a lot of light for them to work. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 you need a lot of light to, to read the colour because as it gets darker, it gets harder to perceive colour. And you notice it with digital cameras and with film particularly that as things get darker, the colour performance of the receiving device and it, everything looks a bit more black and white, the colours pull out the equation. So some people, and we might tackle this aspect of it in another talk, but um, some people uh, can perceive a little bit more subtlety in colours than others, right? And to the point where creatures like butterflies uh, um, can see have five sets of uh, cones in their little butterfly eyeballs, okay, mm. or the equivalent thereof. And some humans can actually see a fourth, have a have a virtually a fourth cone. So butterflies. Now there is a creature that has even more than that. That has some between twelve and sixteen cones, and it's called the mantis shrimp. The mantis shrimp. Yeah, it's like a little prawn. Well, actually, it's not that. Do little. we eat them? You can, and people have over the years, and some of them actually grow quite long. Like okay. 30 centimetres long. Mm-hmm. So that's a big prawn. That is a big prawn. But what makes them different from regular prawns is they have like mantis front arms. Ah, oh, okay. They yeah. have like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like little... Mm-hmm. 
And then... <laughs> And Is some, that an official term for those front arms? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, buddy, buddy, grabby, grabbies. Yeah. Grabby, grabbies. Not grabby, grabbies. So they're people who keep them as pets and they can actually force a jet of water, which is actually not technically correct, but before they understood what was happening with these arms, these jet of waters could break the aquarium tank glass. Shut up. So they're pretty impressive. So these are little arms that flick out. And to, I've, got, I've written some statistics down here. It takes them 23 milliseconds to accelerate this little arm from zero to 83 kilometres per hour and create 1,500 newtons of power in that thing. And as a part of that little whoosh out, not only do they whack their prey with this thing, oh, yeah. but they also create um, like a water jet that's it's not really – it's a cavitation of that action, which is water boiling around the surface of this thing moving – that creates a, a second hit. So they really kill and stun their prey. What's this got to do with their eyeballs? Yeah, that's right. What has it got to do with their eyeballs? So they're they're really vicious and there's two kinds of them. There's ones that whack and ones that stab. <laughs> <laughs> so these are, these are these little things, right? So that's the nasty side of them. They're pretty vicious little things, right? They have their eyes out on stalks, mm -hmm. indicating stalks with two fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and they have 12 to 16 different kinds of photoreceptors. And they have this fabulous in-eye processing. So our brain takes the red, green, blue data out of our cones and makes the colour information. But these little eyes on stalks have actually got a lot of that processing inside their little stalks. And they, so they can see way down into the ultraviolet spectrum, into the blue side of it. Not so much in the infrared, but they can see way beyond what the humans can see in ultraviolet. So they, so can, they can see further? Yeah, they can see further okay. into that. And they're, so they're sensitive to it. And the reasons why they're, they're, they've evolved to be this way is not particularly clear, but it's probably around danger, food yeah. and mates. And being down, are they lower? Yeah. In well, the they're not that deep in the water, 20 metres sort of oh, that yeah. sort of thing. That's they're right. kind of an estuary type of critter. There's plenty of them around Australia. There's plenty of them around a lot of parts of the world. But they're not what we put on the barbie in America. No, but they are eaten. People do eat them and they're, yep. and they're, they're done with sushi. You know, they're filleted on some sushi. If we eat them, the is sushi our eyesight better? No. Damn it. Unfortunately. So the way part of the ways they deal with this incredibly sensitive colour vision is that they have filters in their eyes, which much like... Uh, camera filters and enlarger filters that uh, change and allow them to see these subtle variances. They are very, as I said, uh, susceptible to ultraviolet light. Um, they can actually see polarised light as well, which is incredibly rare. So when we put a polarising filter in front of our lens on our camera, we have a circular polariser that as we twist the polariser, it cuts out certain light and allows us to... Uh, not see reflections on that light. It's a Josephine. Um, and so when... Our um, child has just busted in our on our busted. recording and she's going to show us, oh, baby, oh, wow. my God, she's just done the most beautiful self-portrait ever. Yeah, it's lovely. We will take a photo of that and put it on the show notes. Yes, we will. Uh-huh, she That's says. That's amazing, babe. Wasn't We're going to have to cut all this out, but it's amazing. <laughs> So I'm going to clap us back in so we got a spike. Um, so they're also suscept uh, susceptible, um, sensitive to polarised light. So polarised light cuts out reflections, which might actually be a really helpful thing underwater, you know, with reflections and also a way of breaking down what you're seeing 
and seeing perhaps a little bit beyond it uh, and also dealing with things with shiny uh, skins like barracudas, which are a predator to these little things ah. that come out with pointy teeth and nasty big oh, incisors. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's all a really cool thing. And, and a part of the polarising thing is you've got to rotate these lenses on a phenomenon, but their little eyes on stalks can twist as well. Oh, so it's insanely good. That's cool. Get this. Do they want a job at the lab? Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? A little shrimp on the front <laughs> counter. How good would it be? Um, they can detect. This system can be used to detect cancer. This Are you kidding? System. It can be used to detect cancer. So they're like cancer detecting. Well, it's not like a dog that comes up sniffing can we cancer. Get a, can we get a pet one and we can just like get well, it to get do pet, some but colour? How thick a glass do you have to have because they can oh break yeah, the glass? Like, do you weird. really want one of those? That's really weird. Yeah, so it's whilst they're not out there using them to detect cancer, the same sensitivity to polarised light and ability to deal with polarised light is used for looking at cancers and detecting the difference between certain cells and those that are cancerous. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's incredibly simple. So, that's uh, similar. Um, part of the species, one of the genus of the species, one of the types of, of mantis shrimp species, are monogamous. They live, <laughs> with, they live with their other mate for 20 years. <laughs> That's 20 so years, how cute is that? And they do bi-parental. 20 years, we got them beat. They do bi-parenting. Like bi-parenting? They both look after Is that what they the call it? Bi-parenting? Bi-parental. Oh. They're bi-parental carers. So you mean they're so they not under the, under the weight of the patriarchy? No. Oh. <laughs> Shrimp so really fighting the patriarchy. They, they also do ritualised fighting. It's like <laughs> capoeira. Capoeira? <laughs> what is it? The Spanish... <laughs> and the last fact, because I know it's all about vision, but the last fact about these cute little creatures, because they are all about the eyes, but they also form sort of these odd-looking wheels to move between tidal pools when they're out the water. So they roll up in a little wheel-type ball and they can go from two metres up between tidal pool to tidal pool. So the <laughs> some of them are monogamous. Okay, they we're roll have to find like video wheels. of them. I don't know if there's any video around. They co-parent, which is kind of cute, um, and they have this amazing vision system. So I want to be one of these. How good would it be to take one to the paint shop to help pink out the paint for your yeah. room? Because they could go, yeah, yeah that, I don't want that white, but I want that white. That's amazing. So that's your moment of color. That's so good. How cool is that, huh? That's so good. I want Thank one you so much. I'll put the show, right, no, show notes back up again. I'll, I'll put the, show, uh, the ne- links in the show notes to where you want to read a bit more about those shrimps because a lot of been work, a lot of work's been done by the, at the Queensland University ah, Queensland. and the Australian Museum. So there's a bit about it there. Brilliant. Uh, so yeah, and there's a good chunk about it on Wikipedia. And I'd like to uh, wish you all good luck. Would you? Until we're all counting on you. <laughs> good luck for this next week. Ah, oh, to our yes. friends all around the world. Oh, and, and good luck, America. Um, good luck, America. Good luck, uh, people of colour. And um, anyone this is, this is having is, to deal with the crazy over there. But we also might be in a really interesting period of change where we actually might still get some statues coming down. Yes, um, bring all the bloody statues yep. of all the stupid we, we may as well down. We may as well put that stuff in its place. And yep. so history is, is, is well... Well, um, well understood. H- and history well shared is slightly and better and slightly better and slightly well, fairer. Well, we acknowledge what happened. That's what it's all about. Yeah, well, and move on. This is the pessimist in the in the. No, house. it's going to get better. It's going to get better. You're so beautiful. This is why I married you. <laughs> this is why. Yes. Right. All right, my friends. We will s- we will not see you next week. You might. You will hear us next. See week. what the next episode's going to oh, be. You'll definitely hear us. Crying out loud. Okay. Thank you for your support. Love you. 
like and subscribe. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>